0: Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. While you're standing real quickly, I'll get to, if you're wondering, my wife, is she's here today, but she is picking up a couple of the college students, so that's where she's at. If you're thinking, what happened? To sister? He started without Sister Candy. He's in trouble. <laughs> she's going to get him. No, she's uh, doing something, so it's, it's all right. Um, continuing on in our lessons with the gift of repentance, And today, in our third lesson, uh, finding a place of repentance. And so the idea being that since we, again, we all battle with the things of this world, temptations and sin, different things. But we have to find a place to repent. I'm going to talk about that because it's not just, it's not the geographical location that matters so much. You repent anywhere, so it's not where you are standing Presently, physically, you could be standing on top of a mountain or standing on the beach or standing in this room. It doesn't matter, sitting in your car. Uh, but uh, read these verses of Scripture, Second Kings uh, chapter 22, uh, 18 through 20. It says, but to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes, and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into the into thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for what it produces in our life. and Let us receive it today, Lord, in good ground, because we want to be better. And, Lord, we want to be more like you. And we want to be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise before you're seated. Uh, of course, we started with the opening lesson about the gift of repentance and realizing that God granted repentance unto us, that without uh, His permission, really, uh, repentance would not even be accepted by Him. He allowed that. And then we talked about last week about a space to repent. In other words, God giving us time between our transgressions that. He he allows us a space. He's long suffering and and he uh is patient with us and cares about us, so he gives us a space of time and we better not waste that time. Uh because it's it, it won't always be there. We can miss our time if we're not careful. And so we are thankful for a space of time to repent that it's not as soon as you make a mistake, boom, it's judgment and it's over, but there's a space of time. And now finding a place of repentance. And and this is a place that we have to find within ourselves. It's not, again, it's not necessarily the location you are physically. Some people repented in church, at an altar, during revival, on Sunday, on Wednesday, on Saturday. You know, those songs. Went through the days of the week and said somebody got it on Sunday, and it just keeps going and going because there's no telling. It's, it's all any time. It's whenever God moves on the heart and you respond to that. And some people have repented by their bedside or in their cars or under a tent revival or in a brush arbor. I mean, so it's not the physical location. It's when you come to that place in yourself that you realize that now I need God in the worst way possible. I've got to have him. And uh, that you go ahead and begin to confess and and let yourself go unto him. And and so uh, repentance like that, coming to that place, requires uh, this one very big hurdle. And that is, for people anyway, it's a big hurdle most of the time, is coming to the end of ourself. Uh, That... uh, People hanging on to their lives and traditions and things in in their lives that they just can't seem to let go of, or they they can't uh, put their reputation down, or their ego gets in the way. It's but until people come to the end of themselves, they'll never really be able to follow the Lord. Uh, it, you know the the principle is demonstrated when Jesus calls his disciples, "Follow me." Well, in a sense, right there they are repenting because they are leaving behind the life that they once lived. It says immediately they drop their nets and they leave and they follow him. And, of course, there's many things that go on in their lives. Jesus gives further instruction to them in Matthew 16 when he begins to talk to them about uh, or talking to, he's, he's talking to his disciples. And it's really, uh, I was reading this this morning and, and something kind of jumped out at me. And usually when we talk about Matthew 16, we talk about Peter uh, having this great revelation well Peter who do the men say that I am and they, and he goes through a list he says well who do you say that I am well, the Christ the son of the living God and, and immediately the Lord begins to commend this and say flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you but the father in heaven has revealed it unto you and and uh, you're Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church and um, I'm give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and man he's just going on and Peter's just like you know now Standing there with those other eleven guys, that Peter is grinning—maybe <laughs> not trying to—but you know he's thinking, uh, you know, and maybe he's thinking, "Okay, I'm finding, I, I'm seeing where Jesus is putting me in this group. I see what He's doing for me in it." And a, Peter's still human, and we're going to realize that in just a minute in that in that passage of scripture because. It says then Jesus begins to talk to his disciples and say, "Here's all the things I've got to suffer, and here's what's going to happen to me." And and Peter says, "Oh no, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. Be it far from you!" And begins. You know, we, it says Peter rebuked him, but uh, it wasn't like he he grabbed the Lord and set him down, and said, "Now you listen to me." He, yeah, I believe he was sincere, uh, but he maybe he thought in his mind. Well, I've got the keys. You know, he's called me. I've got revelation from the Father. Isn't this something that Peter gets revelation from the Father? Jesus, of course, tells us, I am a father of one. He can't hear what the Father's saying to him straight to his face. I've got to suffer this and go through these things. And you know why he couldn't? Because Peter couldn't get over himself. And so the Lord tells him, says, get behind me, Satan, for you savorest not the things that are of God, which means the word savor there means um, you're not concerned with the obedience of the things of God. And so uh, right there we see Peter's humanity has jumped in front of his spirituality and to where he thought, I've got a better plan, Lord, this is not going to happen to you and he said, you don't save the things that be of God, but the things that are of men. He was so concerned with everybody else. Did y'all hear what he said to me? He, he couldn't hear nothing Jesus was saying. And that was the father sitting right in front of him talking to his face. He lost his ear to hear like that. And so, uh, but then he says, as he goes on to talk to his disciples, he said, look, if you don't uh, take up your cross and follow me, you know, he said, if you try to save your life, You're going to lose it, but the moment you will lose your life, that's when you're going to save it, and that's when you're going to find it. That's when you're going to find out your purpose. In other words, when you'll finally come to the end of you, you're going to see what good things I can do for you in your life, and that's what repentance is all about. It's that place where, because repentance is death. And Jesus said, you've got to take up the cross and carry it and follow me daily. Well, that's repentance because that's a life of repentance because anytime you think of the cross of anything other than being a place of death, you've put the cross in the wrong place. When you decorate it and hang stuff on it and make it pretty, you've changed the purpose of it. The cross had one purpose, and that was for people to die on. Nobody went there to relax or to get therapy. They died on the cross and when you go to the cross and and leave with anything other than something dying then you didn't uh, actually get what the cross was offering and so when you take up the cross that means you're dying like the scripture said we you know we die daily i die daily i'm always at a place where i'm coming to the end of myself so i can follow him because every day was a choice from that point for the disciples Follow me, okay. But every day they woke up and decided, will I stay with him or not? And sometimes it was under uh, tough circumstances. He was headed in uh, to Samaria and different places, and they said, well, let's get up and go and die with him. You know, They realized what they were doing and said, well, we might as well go. We've come this far. No reason to turn around now. Let's go on and we'll just die with him because they were sure so many times he was going to die. You're going to get in this place. They're mad at you. These Jews are upset with you. They're going to kill you, but you know they were at a place where it's hey, it's do or die. Let's go with him. So, repentance is that, and finding that place is you find it in yourself. Uh, I, that's why you know we tell people, "Say so I can't repent for you, and uh, I can't pray a prayer of repentance for you." There's no uh, such thing in the scripture. That's what you know. Uh, sinners always pray, but there's no sinners' prayer. Uh, there's repentance. We preach repentance and remission of sins, and we preach that, and people have to come to that place where they are sorry and they are ready, and something has happened to uh, get them to that place. Something has happened inside of them where they're like, it's no longer about me, my status, who I am, uh, but it is about um, the Lord and what I can do for him. And, And so when we just, our opening scripture from Kings was talking about Uh, this king Josiah that uh, he took the kingship at a a very early age and through his life though he was really trying to uh, do things right for God. He had a great heart for God but you know you find out reading the story that he did not really know the law of God. He didn't know what Moses's law really said. They didn't have the Torah with them and they were now, after he had you know cut down the groves, gotten rid of idols, there was all these things going on, they were going to you know uh, work on the temple and get things back in order and While they're uh doing this restoration project, they find a scroll, and the scribes bring it uh you know to him, and they're looking at it, and people are uh you know what is this, and they begin to read it, and they realize that it's the Torah or the first five books of the of the Bible, what we call the Bible it's those first five books, the books of moses and and when they begin to read it to Josiah, even after all he's done, he's the king. He starts tearing his garment. Now he's wearing the king's robe, and he's ripping his garment and he's wailing and carrying on because he realizes how far from God we really are. Right. Oh, I, you know, I'm doing this and I'm thinking I'm doing right and I'm do, doing okay, but I'm, you know, I'm not following God's word, and we're not fo- our people are man. We're, he said. Go inquire of the Lord and find out what's going to happen to us because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And he's crying and he's praying and he's repenting. I'm sorry, but I didn't know and I didn't know what to do. And so uh, what we read, the scribes come back and God says, yeah, I'm going to tear this place up because of all this disobedience, the things have gone on, I'm going to uh, take care of this. But because you were, you know, your heart was tender and you Cried out to me, and you repented, and you you got yourself humble. I'm not going to do this while you're alive. Your eyes won't see it, and so you'll go to your grave, and you'll be buried with your fathers, and it'll be in peace, and and uh, everything's going to be all right for you. And that's what repentance will do for us. It will help us miss destruction. But you see, nobody could repent for Josiah. He had to do it himself. He could have said, well, that's a pretty good book, but I'm the king and I make the rules. But you don't make the rules. No matter what your position is, no matter who you are, God makes the rules. And so when he realized that I am out of line with God, I've got to do something to get back in line with God. And so, uh, you know, Josiah is doing a lot of things. Uh, to uh, Josiah is doing a lot of things to get things back right with the kingdom. I mean, he he loves God, so he's getting rid of idols. He's doing things, and I'm sure he faced a lot of uh, opposition going into people's homes and taking their idols. Man, people get upset about those kind of things. Uh, preachers face that all the time because every time we preach against sin and things like that, it's like going into somebody's house and pulling their idols out. Well. well it's, hey, it's Pastor Appreciation Day. I was going to say we want to, uh, but um, you know, and so and people, so you, you run into some changes. But he's not trying to uh, hurt these people. He's not trying to be ugly to these people. These are people he rules over. He he loves his people. He loves his God. He's trying to get things right with God. And so uh, we ourselves realize that there are some uh, there's some painful things about repentance. That coming to the end of yourself is not always easy. Letting go of, of traditions and, and things like that. And, and uh, you know, when you repent, you, know, you don't come in repenting, smiling and singing. It's weeping and wailing and crying and, and confessing. And, and uh, it's realizing uh, you're confessing your unfaithfulness to a very faithful God. You're, you're talking to him about how you have neglected him and went against his word and realizing that he's just being good. Because he hasn't killed you in the middle of this statement, he has given you this space while you find your place to repent. And so, the in the but the good part is after that, because if you ever truly repent, when you get up, you feel better. I didn't say you're going to be skipping and dancing, but there is a sense of relief. That comes over you because you are no longer carrying something that it 's funny because somewhere in our mind we think we've hid this, but really God knows it anyway, but you know it's that getting it off our chest or getting it out of our system, getting it you know unburdening ourselves, laying this down at his feet, casting our care upon him, and all of a sudden feeling that lighter load. it 's nothing like you've ever been carrying helping somebody move furniture and you're carrying a, you know, a dresser up about three flights of stairs and you, there's nowhere to set it down. And so you just keep walking and keep walking and you're holding on to it and you feel like it's slipping, you're trying to readjust to hold on to it, your muscles are burning, you're, you know, it's just like you're aggravated, you're mad at the person that's carrying it with you because they're going too slow, whatever, everything's going wrong. There's nothing like when you finally set that furniture, now, I'm not trying to set it down to rest, but get it in the place where it don't move no more so you don't have to pick it up one more time. And that's what it is when you're here, you, I have gotten rid of this. I don't have to repent for things I did uh, before I came to God anymore. I did that already. And the relief of letting that go, finding that place. I remember the night that I repented. I remember the tears that were flowing. I remember what it was like at that altar and confessing those faults and confessing those sins and crying out to him and feeling the love and mercy of God falling on me. And, and I remember when I got up from there, boy, I felt great compared to what i felt before i got there but i it was like physical uh almost pain getting that to come out it was like you could feel it it was just exertion man every muscle in my body was aching and, and it was just like but finally when it was over with i realized that god had heard my cry of repentance and that had Accepted that repentance and it wasn't over yet. That does. That's not where you stop. Some people, uh, well, that feels pretty good, so I'll just stop right here. But there's, you got to get to those waters of baptism so that sin can be washed away. You can repent of it, but he's got to wash it away, and he washes it away in his blood and then uh, him filling us with the Holy Ghost so we can walk in newness of life. So that's where we start that. So I want to make sure that I always find my place of repentance, and I find it. In here, Uh, I don't have to come to, oh, I can't wait to get to church so I can repent. I'm not waiting that long. If I did something wrong across town, I'm repenting across town. (laughs) I I might get hit by a car before I get here. Uh, You know, something could happen before you make it. to. Just let me get to church on Wednesday or Sunday. Just let me get to revival. You might not make revival. The place of repentance is where you make it. So uh, call out, cry out then. And if you have to look funny to people, then look funny to people. But, you know, uh, don't let that stuff hang in there. Man, it's like it's hard to get rid of that stuff that sticks around a while. You ever have uh, kids that eat cereal in your house and don't wash out the bowl and leave it sitting on the counter and the next morning you go in there and man, you'll cut your knuckles on cereal. You try to run a rag through there, and it, it's like trying to wash gravel out, and it's stuck. It's like glue. How? Because it, it, it sat there, and it got hard. You know, if you just, right when you got done, if you'd have run it under the water, it would have rinsed right out. So easy. I remember Brother Spell preaching a message years ago, clean as you go. He said, don't, don't wait on don't leave stuff like that. He, he's a big cooker. And he said, I, nothing worse to me than somebody to, to cook and just leave all the stuff in the, on the stove or in the sink and then wait try to clean it the next day or two days later. And it's, it's so much more work trying to clean it then if you would just clean it now. Do it while, while you've got that. Find that place in yourself. Keep your heart humble and you'll always, that place of repentance will always be open. If you'll stay humble before God, then you man, you're, and you stay prayed up and stay where you're supposed to be. As soon as that something happens, you're like, hmm, that wasn't right. And you're praying, you're, God forgive me of this. I'm not supposed to be that. You'll be asking forgiveness and you'll be repenting like you ought to do. And so uh, repentance is a place in ourself. We've got to have that. I'm thankful that God gives us the ability to feel. I don't want to, I pray all the time, God, don't let me ever get past feeling. I don't want to ever get hard hearted or get uh, a conscience that's seared with a hot iron. I don't ever want to be cold where I, uh, things don't bother me. But I, you know, uh, I try to let things roll off, things that don't matter, but I don't want to ever get to a place where I just, that do not matter. I don't care. Whatever. I'm just, you know, just come get me one day, Lord. You know, I don't want to ever get like that. I want to be concerned about the things that concern God. And I want them to, to touch my heart like they do his. Now, when we talk about sin, the probably the easiest definition would just be simply to say it's disobedience to God's word. That's sin. And uh, that's what uh, King Josiah, the people of Judah, had been doing for years, just been living in sin. But his res- his What was that? Oh. <laughs> but when uh, Josiah realized that, his heart was so touched and smitten that he just fell before God. And that response changed God's opinion. And it's something that uh, repentance will change our heart and actions toward God. And repentance will change God's heart and action toward us. And it doesn't change the love. God loves you whether you're repenting or not. But... If you're unrepented, there's certain actions that he has to take. And when we repent, it can change the actions, the things that God was going to do. Many times we see it in the Scripture that people would intercede and God would repent of what he was about to do. And, and that's what he did here. He, he repented of uh, this, this place, uh, this action he was going to take, uh, or where Josiah, he said, but you are not going to see this. Uh, you'll, you'll leave this life in peace and you'll lay down in peace, but afterwards it will take place. He did it w- when Jonah was preaching uh, to Nineveh. When he, uh, Nineveh, uh, as soon as Jonah came and said, you know, God's fixing to destroy this place, and the king, he said, it's time to fast, repent, and they began sackcloth and ashes and fasting and praying, and God did not destroy Nineveh. And so, uh, and, uh, you know, Jonah saw that. Jonah was a little miffed by it, but that's another message. But you uh, shouldn't we ever be upset that somebody repents. Right. Oh, they was, I just knew these fish didn't get what was coming to them. You know what? There's always two things waiting in line that people's going to get coming to them. It's either going to be judgment or mercy. I'd rather see them get mercy. I'd rather on this time on this earth, Lord, let them get mercy. Oh, but they did this. Yeah, they did. But you know what? God still loves them. Yeah. I can't change what they did, and I can't change the fact that God loves them. And if God loves them, God help me to love them and let them receive mercy. Right. And so, one of two things is coming. Uh, you know, I don't want judgment coming to me yet. Right. One day we're going to all stand before that seat. Right now, give me mercy. Give me mercy. Give me mercy. I want. I, I want to have a heart, a place in my heart that's humbled for God, a place of repentance where I can, uh, you know, I can change God's reaction to what I just did. God, and let me tell you, God, uh, He will correct us, and correction can be painful. Yeah. But God is not so much concerned with us being in a little pain here, if it will change our heart and change our destiny. Because God is concerned with getting us to him one day. His, his purpose is reconciling the world unto himself. And if he has to let a little pain come our way, if he has to uh, bring a little uh, heartache in our life to get us to find, realize, hey, I better pray. I better repent. That he'll do that. Uh, Psalm 35 said his anger is for a moment. That's all we can take. You can't take no more than an anger. Or then a moment of his anger. He said, but in his favor is life. And so, I want to be in his, you know, who's favorable to God? People who are repenting. Because people that are repenting, he's not having to punish. It's not his will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. They're in, the, in his will. That's favorable to God. He shows favor on people who repent. So don't ever, ever, ever get to a place where, oh, I want to repent because that means I have to admit I was bad. Right. It also means you've got to stop being bad. Not just admit it, but stop it. Come to the end of yourself so that God can do in your life what he wants to do. Find a place of repentance. And I'll tell you, I don't want to ever have I'll get my heart into a place where my eyes stay dry and I never weep before God and cry. I don't want to ever, ever be like that. I want to be a a dry tree. Dry trees, kindling. Good for the fire. Uh, But David said, I am like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. And so, you know, the kind of man David was, he was a repenting man. Psalm 51, you read his uh, psalm of repentance, and when you read the story of how the prophet approached him, letting him know, you're the man, David. And David realized his sin. He didn't wait around. Right there, he started repenting. He was like, oh, and I guess the prophet knew, and God let the prophet know, he thinks I'm fixing to kill him. And so the prophet had to tell him, you're not going to die. God's not fixing to kill you. And David repented. He laid there and he fasted and prayed for the life of the child. It didn't come. But when it was over with, he got up and he worshiped God. And he, he cleaned himself up because he said, hey, nothing else I can do now. That's it. But uh, God wasn't done with him. And Solomon uh, came, came through uh, David and Bathsheba. And Solomon was a great king. And there's a lot of things we can just keep going and going. But what you see is that even David, the king, realized Well, I ought to get to do what I want to do. No, no, no. David said, as soon as he heard, hey, you're the one, as soon as it was revealed to him, as soon as it was realized. And he knew that, but he had hid it somewhere. Because he knew he was the one that done it. But as soon as he heard it from somebody else, as soon as God tapped him and pricked that heart and let him know, you're wrong, David, and what you've done, he couldn't take it. He could not take being wrong with God. You're so worried about it. Cast me not from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. don't, don't let anything change this. Don't, don't let our relationship change God. And that's what repentance does. It gets you back into that favor with God and it, and it helps you keep your relationship going with God. But unrepented people are not in relationship with God. They're loved by God. He cares about them. They, uh, his goodness is displayed to them. They're still under grace and mercy. They've got time. They've, they're in the space part of repentance. But you've got to find the place of repentance. When a man, the, Before you ever came to God, if somebody was preaching that message of salvation, you know where you were? You were in the space. But when you found your way to the altar and began to cry out, now you're in the place. You've got to let the space... Create a place so you can repent and empty your heart to God and get all of it out. You can't hold on to it. You don't don't hold on to things when you're repenting or it's not repentance. And people need to truly repent before they come to God. And so uh, one thing about uh, repentance is it'll help you get the stubbornness out. Some people are more stubborn than others. And it might take a little more Action from God to to get through to some than others. Uh, In uh, Hosea, uh, God begins talking about how He's going to deal with His people. And in one place, He says, "I'm going to come to you like a moth." You know, a moth is a little fragile, and they're soft, and you 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 don't touch them or you kill them. I mean, it's just He said, "I'm going to deal with you like that." But then, as He moves on, he, He starts talking about, "I'm going to come to you like a lion." And then like an eagle that's getting its prey. And so you see how God starts intensifying. Because some people will respond to the moth. But some folks, it's going to take the eagle, snatching them out of the water, fixing to chew them up before they realize, I better call on God. Some people uh, wait until the claws are in them before they realize, Woo, I should have been repenting a long time ago. And uh, I hope that I get this prayer out before he bites me. You know, I I want to make sure that I am... uh, Uh, taking seriously this space of time, these warnings for God. And let me tell you, that word of God is what broke Josiah. And it ought to break our heart too. If we ever want to check ourselves, our checklist is that word of God. So when you turn off the word and when you don't read the word and you're not listening to the word, uh, you can't check yourself. And you just start walking on your own. But we don't walk... uh, in our own flesh, and in serve God, we walk by faith, and faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word. And so, our our very daily checklist, our walk with God, is that word of God. And so, I don't want to ever silence God's word in my life. I want to you know, go go two or three weeks without reading His word. How do people do that? How do they spend time out of the word and still feel like I am walking in God's word? It's not possible. You've got to, you know, uh, I'm not saying you never had an experience with God. I'm saying you have got to nurture this and and take care of this. And and, uh, staying in that word will keep you ready to repent. Because if you know the word, you know when you're done wrong. You know, if you know, it's just like people say, well, I was, you get pulled over going 95 in a 55. And you're like, I didn't know what speed limit was here. Well, it don't matter if you knew it or not. It's still the speed limit. And you try to look at God say, Well, I didn't know that was wrong. Well, it don't matter if you knew it was wrong. It's in my word. And it's there. And, and you used to know it because you used to read it. But you've forgotten where you are. So we all know the speed limit's around our hometown. It's when we get out of that place. And so we feel like, well, I know everything is fine right here where I live. And sometimes it ain't. You get comfortable and uh, you're not paying attention before you know it. You, you're... I didn't realize I was going 55 in this 35. Yeah, but you were. And it's been 35 a long time. Since we set the speed limit, it's been 35. And as long as you've lived here, it's been 35. But you just felt like, "Mm, I've lived here long enough. (laughs) Now you got a ticket. And uh, you're going to pay for that. The police don't care if you're repenting or not. (laughs) I'm so sorry, I was speeding. You know, girls be crying when they get pulled over guys too it works I'll tell them myself I ain't careful I will (laughs) this was before I came to the Lord (laughs) my mom will tell you I got pulled over on about a weekly basis because I liked fast cars and uh, it got to a point where I couldn't get in the car without getting a ticket and one night I had just had a ticket and one night I mean just days later I was zooming around that car coming through Porterdale. Yep. Whew. Got me. Oh, man, I made up some story like I was broke up and tore up about something, man. Cops said, man, just go on. Hey, I ain't, I don't, got me out of that ticket. <laughs> so you say, I can't believe you. I said, yeah, you, let me tell you what. I didn't want the the fee and the canceled insurance and the canceled license because, man, my license, I, I can't keep going in that. Anyway. But when you are sincere and I was I was sincere, I wanted to have that ticket, but when you're sincere with God and you're repenting to him, he knows that, and he sees that, and he has mercy and and so we should never minimize repentance. Right. you know we're so excited about new birth, about um, you know this uh, uh sins being washed away in his name and through water baptism in his name and then uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues and rejoicing. You know, we're so excited about that and we should be. But you should never, ever, ever try to get somebody to step into a new life without dying to the old one. And so when, when people come in and they're down there at the altar praying, they'll be trying to, hey, come on, you know, you need to be here. Let them spend all the time they need right here. If they have to spend a month at the altar, let them spend it. They, if that's what they feel like they need, if they're not ready, don't drag them to the water unprepared. They need to die. You don't bury people alive. You don't. And the Bible says we are buried with him. There has got to be a death. The old man has got to die. It says old things are passed away. What do we say? All oh, and so passed away. This life had to pass away. Then it was buried, to raise to walk in the newness of life. Uh, I can't get them, I can't drag that dead person, throw them in the water. And if they're not ready, if they hadn't repented, if they're not sorry for the life they're living, they just say, well, yeah, I'll jump in there because everybody else is. It doesn't work. Repent. Be baptized. Like I said, in that uh, formula, repentance, baptism, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, the second two can be switched either way because God can fill people and then they can be baptized. But one thing that never gets out of order is repentance. Right. Never get That never gets out of order. If people are not ready, that's why when people come down and praying for the Holy Ghost, praying for the Holy Ghost, they haven't, and they ain't getting it, they're not ready to come to the end of themselves. Because when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're letting God take over. And until you're ready to let God take over, it don't happen. And you're not going to be ready for that until you repent. Until you find a place of repentance. Where am I at? I'm good. So repentance, it starts with a decision. And then it's followed by steps. It's, uh, that's, that's how it happens. We, there's got to be a decision I'm tired of this life. I'm going to repent. And now, after I have done that, I'm going to follow what God says for me to do. I'm going to follow in his steps. Uh, he orders my steps in his word. That's why, another reason you can't uh, stay out of that word. You've got to have that word. And, and after we repent, God helps us to walk with him. It, he fills us with his spirit. And the Bible says the spirit will lead you in all truth. His word is truth. So when, And you know what part of his word is? Repentance. And so the Spirit will help you realize when it's time to fall down and say, I'm an idiot, I'm sorry, forgive me. Have you ever said that to the Lord? God, I'm an idiot. I have. I have called myself a lot of names talking to God. I am the stupidest idiot person, miserable, wretch, failure, you know, just killing myself. And he just, you know, i to say all that. I know you're sorry. You know, but... It just makes me feel better that he really that I understand. Yeah. Or I could have just been the one man said, "You know, I'm just a worm." Brother Hart used to uh, mention that a lot. That, that guy said, I'm just a worm. Uh, but and sometimes the way I feel, I feel like a worm. Right. And uh, but he realizes that, hey, uh, God, uh, or you know, God realizes I know that you're sorry, and now I, I see that. And God will honor repentance, true repentance. But when a person doesn't really, really repent, then life doesn't ever really change. No matter if they're baptized or not, it doesn't change. You've got to repent. Repentance is a change of life. I want to make sure that I find a space to repent. You know, Saul, uh, who you know, we know is Paul. When he wrote his credentials out, he began to say, "If you know people want to boast in the flesh, I could do it more." And he starts writing out who he was. Well, that's the kind of mindset he had before he was converted. And uh, he was doing all kinds of things. He was standing by while they stoned Stephen. He had thrown people in jail, called them to recant the name of the Lord. He was, he, whatever he could do, he thought he was doing God a service. He really thought he, he said, I was more zealous than people older than me. In these traditions and these things we were doing, I was just, he was burning with it. Thought he was doing God a service, and finally God said, laid him down. Now, Saul can either rely on who he is and what he's doing, because he's like, I am sure I'm doing God's word, doing God's work. I'm sure of that. But when he says, let me just. Clarify who I'm speaking to, who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you persecuted. Oh, uh uh-oh. Now, Saul still has a decision to make. And so instead of saying, I don't believe this, this is nonsense, this is some kind of trick, instead, he finds himself blinded and spends about three days in blindness and darkness Repenting to God before Ananias shows up, prays for him, baptizes him, and he's filled with the Holy Ghost. But it changed his life. He found a place of repentance. He realized all these things I thought I was doing, I didn't realize he really was the Christ. He really was God in the flesh. It really was him. I just didn't realize it. And he began to weep and let God know how sorry he was. And so instead of God killing him, God turned him and used him. A lot of people had problems with that, I'm sure. I wonder how Stephen's family felt when they saw him preaching. Preaching the same Jesus that Stephen was preaching and got stoned for. I wonder how they did when they were sitting in that congregation. Mm -hmm. Ready for him, you know. I don't know. But maybe they had that real love of God and said, man, if God can do that. You know, I know where Stephen's at. And so. If God can do it for Paul, he can do it for anybody. You know, maybe they embraced it, but a lot of people have a hard time understanding why God, but see, God loves everybody. And he wants to give them, he gives them a space to repent if they find the place to repent. And Paul did. He found that place that he could repent and call on the name of the Lord. Getting ready, to, got a few more minutes. Now, I can't tell you how long it takes somebody. In that place. Because repentance may last more than one altar service. Now there's no doubt it can happen like that. I feel like that's the way that it happened with me. I made a decision then. It was, I, I did, From January 13th, 1993, I never looked back. I didn't, well, I ain't sure what happened. Let me try. No, I'm telling you, I knew. And it happens like that sometimes. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes people... Days, weeks, year? Should it take a year? It depends on how hard it is. Sometimes it's not because they're even trying to be stubborn. It's just that they're so ashamed that it's hard to finally feel like they can change. And so it takes time. So we work with people in that repentance. And and, uh, the Bible says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. It takes people a little time. To get sorry sometimes. Having a knowledge of what they've done and being sorry for it can be two different things. There are people who are sorry about being caught, but they're not sorry about what they've done. And until they're sorry about what they've done, people who are just sorry about being caught keep going to jail, getting out, going back to jail. People that are like, mm-mm, I'm sorry for what I've done, you don't see them back. They're not repeat offenders because they're like, Mm-mm, never ever. If I get to ever get out of here, if it's, if God's ever good enough to get me out of this place, if I, then I will change my life. I am not coming back to prison, and that's what an unrepented life is. It's just prison, yeah. and but the bad part is it's death row. Yeah. We've got to repent to have new life, and you've going to. I, I said this before. There, one thing won't be in heaven. There won't be a single unrepented person in heaven. That's a fact. But hell will be full of them. Be full of unrepented good people. I'm talking about nice people. But it don't matter if they're nice to me, if they're unrepentant to God. It don't matter if they're nice to you. Oh, they, they cut my grass every day. They changed my Oh, They brought me some groceries when I was, you know, never, ever, 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 ever paid attention to God. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Just neglect it. Be a good person, be a nice person, just neglect salvation. And repentance is part of salvation. So it's, it's, repentance has got to be more than, than words of a prayer. It's got to be actions lived out before God. Because if repentance is not sincere and heartfelt, heartfelt or complete, it will never bear fruit. It's got to be different. That's one thing you see in Paul's life, it changed immediately. He started preaching Christ. He started preaching the thing he persecuted. And people. it was evident. People, I'm sure, wondered, is this a trick? Is he trying to just get inside and find out where we are so he can call people in and kill us? But they finally realized, Barnabas helped that along, but finally realized that no, God had really changed him and he had really repented and now he was better. Hey, honey, you come on to the music this morning. Let's stand together. Repentance can, is such a blessing. And, uh, you know, we pray for our prodigals here. But why would we even pray for them if we don't believe that repentance is necessary again and again and again? There's stories, and I could read through this in this book, they had stories of people who had been walked away for God for 50 years and somewhere along the line they, a brother that was a preacher uh, they began to hear some teachings that he had taught and God touched their heart and, and they repented and got back right with God and you know at the age of like 80 and so they lived till they were like 92 so they spent the last 12 years of their life Loving God, serving God, doing what they could do. But look at all the things that they missed for 50 years unrepented, turned their back on God for 50 years. That's a lot of days. That's a lot of miracles, a lot of things that went undone in that person's life. But you can't just look back with that. And, you know, sometimes people look back at time wasted and feel like, well, then what's the use? But not this fella. At the age of 80, he's like, if it's a day left or a year left or whatever, I'm living it for God. And so uh, 12 years is also a long time. You think about how long school was. Felt like an eternity. Well, 12 years is a long time. And you can be a great witness and do a lot for God in 12 years. And so don't ever just spend your time living in the past and living in regret. Repent and start up, start a new life, start a new day, start a new work, whatever it is for God. Let's lift our hands and pray this morning just thank God that we have a place to repent. Lord, we love you and thank you. God, today, forgive us, Lord, if we've been rebellious or disobedient to you, if we've transgressed your word. Help our hearts, Lord, to to find a place and be obedient and not stubborn. I pray that you will work on us every day like clay in the hands of the potter, mold us and shape us. That our life reflect the change that true repentance, true repentance has brought us. And Lord, I thank you that you have broke the power of sin in our life. and That we can have new life with you forever. We thank you for it and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house today. Well, people's always looking for a place, a place to live, a place in this world. Before you worry about any of that, how about find that place of repentance? The rest of it will fall in line. Praise God. Thank you for being in discipleship. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. God bless you this morning.